Hi, welcome to Calvary HSM. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, everyone. Yay. So much enthusiasm. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Um, right. Uh, well, what's up, everyone? So you may be like, what the heck is going on up here? It's kind of crazy being up here with elite people. Um, so we have a Q&A today, if you've been hearing about it in the past couple of announcements. And so um, these are actually your questions uh, that you guys asked if you were with us at summer camp this past summer. We got actually over 400 questions, and we still take them. We still love to answer your questions. And so we're going to take some time today and answer some of them. Um, some of them are going to be a little bit silly. Um, some of them are going to be super serious, and but there are no bad questions. Um, yeah, we're also not at there. Also, I won't be answering any. Uh, um, they're not ex- experts, and they're not going to pretend to be. So, um, and if you see them on their phone, they—I feel I'm like talking on behalf of you guys. If you see them on their phones, they're looking something up, hopefully. Um, but yeah, let's start over here, and everyone introduce yourself. Working with one of these right now, but the other one's coming. Hi, I'm Sophia. I am, oh, hello. I can't see anyone's faces because the lights are so bright. But um, I am the HSM year-long intern as well as a worship leader. Yay! Yay! As, <laughs> as, um, as well as, anyways, there, here's the next person. Yay! Um, hey, guys, my name is Drew. I am the, so oh, thank you. Uh, I'm the asso- <laughs> thank you, Jacob. I'm the associate director here at HSM as well as the small groups director. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am the Woo! high school ministry worship leader, and then like worship on other stuff too. But high school baby, all the way. Hello, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I'm the high school. Thank you very much. Um, the high school. Pa- Whoa, praise God. Um, the high school pastor, and um, it's an honor to be here tonight. Uh, my name is JD. It's actually, yeah, uh, uh, Calvary HSM chaplain, and do other things too, but mostly chaplain guy. Oh, that's awesome! All right, I'm gonna ask the first one. My name is Sophie. Not without that. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Sophie. Um, all right, so here's our first question. Um, forgive me ahead of time. I'm not a great reader out loud. Um, where did dinosaurs come from? Is it mentioned in the Bible? Because every time I discuss God with someone, they say, God's not real. How do you explain dinosaurs? And I never know what to say. That's fabulous. I'm the only one holding the mic, but if someone else wants to jump in on this one. Dinosaurs. Well, fun fact, I used to, my dad used to make me watch this thing called Dr. Dino. Any Dr. Dino watchers in the house? That's what I thought. Nobody else watched Dr. Dino. Um, it was very, and the guy actually got it arrested for tax evasion, but we're not going to go into that. Anywho, (laughs) Dr. Dino had tons of cool facts, but no, God created the dinosaurs, but why don't we see dinosaurs um, today here on the earth? There was this little thing called the flood that happened um, when, in I think Genesis 6, somebody can quote me on that, but uh, God instructed a man named Noah to build an ark, um, and it was a huge boat, and only eight people survived a massive flood that broke out all over the earth. The flood was intended to uh, clean out the bloodline because there was a lot of um, just horrible things going on on the earth during that time, and so God sent the flood, uh, the waters of the deep broke open, and it rained for, it had never rained on the earth before, and naturally everything that breathed air, once it was flooded, could not breathe the air anymore. It was only the people that were in the ark, and so, um, but another thing that just might be interesting for more nerdy people out there, because I think this is quite fascinating, is that Uh, The Bible references this thing called the firmament, which was around the earth, and that had a higher oxygen content on the earth, which allowed lizards and things like that to grow larger, which is where we get dinosaurs. And so, yes, God created the dinosaurs. They're not here anymore because they were killed by the flood. And, um, yeah, that's my take. Um, Thank you, Dr. Dino. Um, Also, dinosaurs, they're great. They're real. I was obsessed in elementary school with dinosaurs. Loved them. I had all the fun facts. It was great. We see in the Bible a story about God and his people who had departed from him. 
So the Bible isn't a story about dinosaurs and all things that ever walked the earth. The story is a Bible between God winning back his people and humanity. So that is simply why you don't really see it in the Bible. There are some allusions to like characters with like long 30-foot tails and all that stuff all throughout the Old Testament. Some people think it's dragons. Some people think it's dinosaurs. It doesn't matter. The Bible is about God's people, humanity, and himself. Nice. I didn't expect that many dino facts from you guys. That was crazy. Okay, we've gotten a lot of questions that are about along the lines of, like, why do good things happen to bad people? And specifically, um, one of these questions is, why do bad things happen to believers in specific? And why is there so much hurt and pain in the world if God is really good? JD, what do you think about that? Uh, it's one of my favorite questions, actually. Not ever, but it's up there. Because um, oftentimes people say, like, Similarly, like, why do bad things happen to good people or Christians specifically if we're doing, if we're following God's will? And my response is, is from Scripture. It's Romans 5. Let's see if I can open my Bible app here. Be patient. Um, and I can't find it. Um, oh, that's not great. Stand by one second. Yeah. Stand by. Stand by. No, no, no. Yes. Romans 8. Is Romans 5? Some chaplain. It's in there. I know, right? Uh, it's, it's my digital Bible. I'm not used to using this thing. Um, it's actually not. Um, but the reason I've used in addition to Romans, which I will find it here momentarily, um, I mean, bad things happen. And one thing I learned from a professor I had at Biola was basically that um, we live in a natural world that God has left for us to live in and to choose to follow him and obey him or not. And we have that free will in order to, to, again, either choose that life of worship and how we live in obedience to God or not. And things like, he explained this to us in this class. He said, things like tornadoes are going to happen and earthquakes are going to happen and car accidents. And there's going to be really tough things that we experience. Um, one quote I for sure have in my notes here, stand by, um, is, is from C.S. Lewis um, and talks about tragedies. And if you guys are those in my small group have heard this before, um, basically explaining that um, by R.C. Sproul, and I'll get to Romans in just a second, but R.C. Sproul, and this is for Christians specifically to that question, if God is able to make everything that happens to us work together for our good, then ultimately everything that happens to us is good. We must be careful to use the word ultimately. On the earthly plane, things that happen to us may indeed be evil. Yet God in his goodness transcends all these things and works them out for our good. For the Christian, ultimately, there are no tragedies. And that's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard one to, to fathom. But in addition here, Romans 5, 3 through 5, which I was looking for earlier. Uh, not only so, uh, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that simple, simple idea is, I mean, it seems complex when you think about that and go, yeah, but that's not for me. What about the divorce? What about the diagnosis? What about the job loss? What about the having to move to a different state? What about the, but how we respond in obedience to what God has for us is part of us having faith in who God is. And so we shouldn't be shocked by these things, but accept them in a moment of an opportunity for us to worship God in the midst of trials. Because our response to those trials and those bad things that happen to us, that's when people are watching us to see how we respond. That's when we're able to see the miracle of how God works in and through us, through prayer, through encouragement, through uh, worship, through affirmation. So it's not lost on God that as we go through these things, our response to him is a form of worship. We choose to worship or we don't. And so I think in that realm, there's, not a, that's, there's no negative to it. But it doesn't mean it's easy. But if you've ever gone through a trial, and if maybe you guys have been in a small group, we've had a few conversations in our small group this year where something really tough happens, the, the instant response from our guys is to get up and pray over that person. And it's hard, but that's what God calls us to do. So. That's great. And you mentioned something about, um, you know, free will and what even is will. And so we have a couple questions about will. Uh, specifically, how do I determine God's will within my life when I have no plan, no idea, and no clue what to do after school, college, jobs, etc., and just know his will in general over everyday small things? How can I understand will better? Awesome. Um... It's a very good question. I think we all kind of 
wrestle with the idea of like, um, what is, like, am I hearing from God? Am I hearing from my, my own thoughts? Like, um, how do I know to make the next step? Should I date that guy? Should I not? Like, where do I go to college? And usually, usually like, we make those decisions based off of how we feel. Um, and ultimately, um, the way to know the will of God is to know his voice. Uh, it was talked of uh, a, a man called Samuel. And so he uh, grew up in the temple, and he used to pray and spend time with the Lord. He began to know the Lord's voice. And so I would say, if you're trying to discern what it means to know the, the will of God, you have to learn the voice of someone. Like, right now, if someone calls you, and you, without even looking at the whatever, like the actual like name on the thing, if it's like a hidden number, I don't want guys to do that. But anyway, you pick it up, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, Oh my gosh, Sophie's calling me. Because you can tell who's calling you. You know the voice of the person. And so the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is going to be a scripture for you guys to hold on to. Um, talks about how we are to give ourselves as living sacrifices. But verse 2 says, if you want to know the will of God, if you can open that for me if you don't mind. Romans 12, 2. Uh, transform your mind by reading his word. Then you know his good and perfect will. To know the will of God, you must know God. And to know his heart. You must know it by reading the word of God. Again, I'll read it one more time. 12.2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. So it's tested. It's true, right? It's not like hearsay. It's not like someone put on the news. That's fake news. not like Aaron tweeted it and he deletes his tweet because now you can edit your tweets, whatever. Um, it's about renewing your mind. They may prove what is, what, is, what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And so to know God's voice, you must dive into his word and you'll know his perfect will, his good and perfect will. That's really awesome, Aaron. Um, I like that you said that to know the will of God, you have to know God. But what about people that are like, I don't really care to know God right now. We have one question specific that's, why can't I just come to God later in life? Why do I have to come to God now if I can just accept him when I'm 25 and I've done all the parties, all the things, and uh, everything question. ever? It's a great question. Why not, like, let, let's, for example... Because we know that going to heaven is not based on what you do, right? There are people in the Bible, classic example, thief on the cross. He's like, hey, uh, I believe in you, Jesus. And then Jesus tells him while he's on the cross dying, you'll be with me in paradise. So there's people who have heard these stories. They, on their deathbed, they give their lives to Jesus. And then they are in, are in heaven because they've generally made a confession of faith, a belief in Jesus. So why do I have to do it now? And not like, can I just live the way I want? And then right before I kick the bucket, like give up the ghosts, give my life to Jesus. Well, one, the Bible talks about how uh, uh, we're, what, tomorrow's not promised. So let's just put that out there. So if you want to gamble your salvation, I think that's a more of a worrying question than it is a positive one. Because you're saying, honestly, that you want to live like hell. And then get into heaven. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to make it as clear as possible. It's more telling of your heart that, and the Bible says our hearts are evil. Like we, we naturally, we don't want other people. Like my preference is me. Okay? Like I have to work on not being selfish. I have to work on not giving, like, like I have to work on living and loving like Jesus. Which is why I have to learn to delight in God's word so I can have a heart change. And so I would say tomorrow's not promised. And the, the beauty of this is this, that the Bible says, I think it's in First Peter, uh, that, that Jesus tarries. If someone can look it up for me, the verse. That Jesus tarries. Why is he, he long-suffering? Because he wants his people to turn to repentance. He gives time. He gives grace. And that grace should not be used as an excuse to sin. It's not fire insurance. But grace is power to live a godly life. It's power to live a godly life. So I would say wisdom would say... Let me not try to, like, live the way I want to live and then gamble and see what happens. No, I want to have a certainty, to have a hope. Because the difference between the world and Christians is that we have hope. We have something to look forward to. But if you have nothing to look forward to, you're like, I'm just going to live however and whenever. But if you have something to look forward to, then yes and amen, you have a hope and you are secure in where you're going with Jesus. And so that would be my answer to that kind of a question. Uh, just to add to that, too, I think, first of all, like, such a relatable question. Like, I've definitely had that thinking in my mind and my heart before. So, like, a, like a totally understandable question. And at the same time, I think 
just the way the question is framed, um, I think points to a fundamental misunderstanding about God and who he is. Because um, I think sometimes we can get in this worldview where we view God as this like cosmic buzzkill who doesn't want us to have a good time, right? Where it's like, oh, I just gotta follow all the rules of God and then uh, if I like Man. play along, he'll let me into heaven at the end. Um, and that's just like, that's not who God is. That's not his heart. That's not his desire for our life. Like Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and have it to the full. Um, and so I think sometimes we think, and again, an understandable question, I've had this thinking in my heart and my mind, but I think um, when we actually do start to align our lives to what God um, is inviting us into, what we experience is life becomes sweeter and more enjoyable and richer and deeper and better. Um, and so it feels like on the front end, it feels like, wait, you're asking me to let go of all the stuff that seems really fun. Um, and there are moments where that's a challenge uh, or we do it imperfectly. But I could tell you, like, the things that God says no to are the things that hurt us and hurt the people around us and rob us of our joy, rob us of our life. Um, and the things that God asks us to step into isn't just so that we have to be, like, mindlessly obedient and not have any fun. It's because there's joy on the other end of it because our life is actually improved by saying yes to God. That, like, you'll have a better quality of life. Like, you'll look back on your life and be like, wow, I didn't waste a minute of my life. I enjoy everything. I regret nothing um, if you jump in with Jesus. And so I think, like, I understand the question of, like, why, <laughs> why not just, like, do what I want now um, and then kind of, like, come around later. It, like Aaron said, 100%, like, later's not guaranteed. But also, like, you're just leaving so much joy on the table that's for you now. Man, that was so great. I was like, I forgot to even look at the next one. I was like, you guys are going off. I also love that Aaron was like, someone looked that up for me. I was like, that's a power. Talk about power. Teamwork. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, our next question is super interesting. Is there any way people can still go, what? Sorry. What? Uh, is there any way people can still go to hell even after they've accepted Jesus? Jacob, what do you think about that? I mean, I could go into, like, Jesus talking about, like, the unforgivable sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but I won't. I tend <laughs> the to... The exact answer I to the question. I really, really, I really, really do believe, and this is what I tend to, uh, this is how I tend to shepherd people who have maybe, like, like, oh, my goodness. Like, a lot of us have been doing this for a long time. I've seen a lot of, like, yous. So every single one of you, I've seen, like, seven years of students like you guys, and there's so many kids who are like their freshman year, they're all leaned in. Their senior year, we didn't see them for three. They come back and they're like, I'm here. I can't believe like what I've done, like what I've lived, like how in the world I'm going to hell. And it's like, I remember when you accepted Jesus. It's like, I remember when you accepted Jesus. And you know who also didn't forget was Jesus. Um, so that's where I land on it. I'm, done. I'm tapping out. He handed the mic to me. Yeah, it looked like you wanted to say something. Sure. I have two scriptures. Uh, one is John 3.18. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Okay, so this is the, the thing. If, how do you know you're going to heaven? Okay, belief in Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So... If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you believed in his name, meaning your faith is not in anything else. Your faith is not in faith. Your faith is not in prayer. Not, your faith is not in, in whether your grandma prayed for you. Your faith is in God, that he's the one who's going to save you. Then you're not condemned. You cannot be separated from The Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. No height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon. Nothing. Your own sin. Like, think about that. Like, he made sure even your own sin. And I mean, I'm a jerk sometimes, well, a lot of times. But the, the reality is, like, he still says, you know what, that is not something that separates me. If you believe in him, if I believe in him. The second verse is in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. It says, um, oh, hold on. Let me just have, like, a hyperlink for it. Here we go. Wow. Hmm. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I think those who love God uh, love others. And so we've talked about here as a church, we are people who live and love like Jesus. 
you cannot accept the love of God and not change. Does that make sense? Like there's no way that you can genuinely accept the love of God and not have a fruit in your life. The Bible calls us to bear fruits of that. And for some of us, our fruit looks different. Some of our fruits are like tiny. Some are like huge, as big as my head, right? Like no, a ton of fruit. But the point is that you are bearing fruit. And as long as you're bearing fruit and you have the faith, even the Bible says, as small as a mustard seed. Because I think we usually get into comparison. And we look at like someone else on stage or someone in the back room. Like those people are serving. They have great faith. But the Bible says the faith even so small as a mustard seed, like, that's, that's all you need. That's all you need. And to each of us, God says he's given us a measurement of faith. The faith that he's given you is enough for your, your uh, ability to receive salvation. Again, it's not about what you do. It's about your faith in Jesus. So if you've accepted him, I mean, it's, it's locked and loaded, baby. You're good. Yeah, and you talked about how when you accept the Lord that you literally are changed. There's a physical difference. There's an emotional difference. There's a spiritual difference. What about how can, this question is super interesting. How can we help people who hate religion and Christians see the love of God? Like, how can they see it from our perspective, essentially? JD, you want to answer that one? Yeah, I I think one of the biggest things is how we, this might sound very rudimentary, but truly how we, we live day to day. In the things I talked about, the Sadoks FCA last um, Wednesday. What we say, what we do matters, and how we live our lives. Um, and um, I'm gonna <laughs> brave to look this verse up now. <laughs> Round two, yeah, Fli- Philippians two four through sixteen, um, and I'll read it verbatim here in a moment. Thank you oh, so it's much. Like alphabetical order. Yeah, it's like a like the Bible. Why didn't well, not you literally. Look it up? Yeah, sorry. Um, but basically, how we live our lives and what we do matters. And I think sometimes it's it's Philippians two four four Thank you. You're awesome. Um, what a great intern. Um, but but what? But honestly, the things you say, the things you do, and I think oftentimes we kind of get lost between the world of. Um, I'm a Christian on Sundays, I'm a Christian at small group, I'm a Christian maybe in in campus ministry, but beyond that, it doesn't really matter, it's not as important, we don't give as great a value. And yet what you say and do, and I shared this again last Wednesday at FCA, was that people are watching you as much as you watch other people and observe other people, and we are creature of habits, and we see what certain people do, well, if they're doing it, it's okay. If mom says or dad says or they they say certain things or do certain things, like that's, that's your example. And so... It takes sometimes us, for us to make small changes in our life, in our attitude, in our prayer life, and the things that we do. Uh, praying, praying in public might be a scary thing. Praying for your friends might be a scary thing. Um, encouraging somebody might be foreign to you, except for the people that you know really well, because that's kind of easy to do. Sometimes go like, hey, that was a you know great game, great class, whatever you're talking about, like great, great trip, whatever. It's kind of easy. But to go up to somebody you don't know quite as well and go, hey, that was really awesome what you did, you know, helping those people out or serving those people. I just want to encourage you with that. Um, and here it just says, uh, Paul says the church in Philippi says, do all things without grumbling or disputing or complaining, that you may be, may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom, whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not, did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if, I'm not, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be also uh, be able to uh, be glad and rejoice with me. And again, in word and in deed, the things that we do matter. And it might be a little change. We go, well, I've never prayed like at school before. Try praying at school. I've never brought my Bible to school. Bring your Bible to school and, and maybe read uh, with some other Christian friends during nu- nutrition. Newberry Park High School on Monday mornings between the B and C buildings, is that right? Or in B, B and C. Uh, at 1010 during nutrition, uh, I think of John 1010, it's actually really cool. Um, they have like a prayer, a prayer circle and it's continuing to grow. It's such a powerful thing to watch that grow. So how you live your life, what you say and do matters. Don't hide the gospel. Mm-hmm. Don't hide what God has for you. And you might feel like, well, I can't do it alone. Find a friend at school to do it. To, to share in that and to be a part of that. And so that, that'd be my encouragement. Yeah. Can I tack one thing onto that? Yeah, is that you were talking about people that hate religion. Like how do we show them the love of God if they hate religion? Um, the best part about Christianity is that, yes, it's, 
it's a title, right? You're a Christian, but really at its core, if you're tapping into true Christianity, which is just following Christ, it's a relationship more than anything else. So the attractiveness of Christianity is not in this building. It's not in this service. It's not in this worship. It's in you walking day in, day out, hands intertwined with Jesus Christ, letting him show you every step in front of you as he loves you the whole way through, as he guides you, as the Holy Spirit is the lamp to your feet, the light to your path, the word of God comes alive. Like all of those things have nothing to do with a building, tradition, what you wear, like who, like what kind of food you eat on Friday nights. Like, you know what I mean? Like it is a relationship at its core. And so it will be most attractive to your friends that hate religion because of the fact that it has no religious qualities to it. And if they see it as a religion, then that actually should check our hearts as Christians and go, what about this is legalistic? What about my walk is legalistic and pointing fingers at people and shaming them rather than welcoming them in? Now, there are things that we walk in obedience that we don't compromise to, but I'm talking about just like your basic, like, average person walking up saying, hey, there's something different about you. That's your relationship with Jesus. That's the love relationship that you have with Jesus Christ, not the fact that we are gathering in this building on this evening. So. And when you say you have, oh, yeah, you can clap for Sophia. Go, Sophia. Um, now, when you say you have a relationship with Jesus, that obviously takes work, and that obviously takes a lot out of somebody to do. And, and when you want to show other people the love of God, you can't, like, you, you we, uh, we always say, thank you, that I should leave. Um, we always say that you can't lead someone to a place that you had never been. And part of having a relationship with the Lord is reading your Bible. And I personally know that I struggled with reading my Bible in high school a ton. And I know a lot of these questions are like, I really don't know how to read the Bible. The Bible's boring, which it kind of is sometimes. Um, and specifically these two questions, how do you know where to read your Bible um, when you struggle with where to start? And why is it so hard to get myself to read the Bible at home? Uh, Drew, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I love this question. Thanks. Um, again, super relatable question, right? Um, I think sometimes, I, I want to talk about this from two angles. Uh, the first is, I think sometimes when we want to make any sort of change in our life, particularly like a positive change. Um, I think we, we kind of are in trouble from the start if we just think like, I'm gonna feel inspired enough every day and the mood's just gonna like hit me and I'm gonna feel motivated to do this all the time, right? And that's with anything, right? If it's like, I'm gonna, like it's New Year, I'm gonna go to the gym four days a week or whatever, right? Like if we rely on just feeling motivated to make us do something, um, we're gonna lose steam on that and not keep doing it. And it's the same with God's word. I think like if we think that the only way that we can read God's word is when we like feel inspired or like I woke up feeling super spiritual today, um, I, newsflash, uh, you're gonna lose steam on that um, and not, uh, not go very far. Now there will be days where you wake up and just like the spirit of God feels so real and so present and it's like an enthusiastic pursuit where it's like everything else can go away. It's me and God time and those days are amazing. But those days aren't every days and that's where I would love to just kind of get into a conversation about something that we in just kind of like the Christian tradition called spiritual disciplines right? Uh, and it's called spiritual discipline for a reason. It's like, I'm going to, um, and e even like discipline comes into like disciple and discipleship, right? Like there's something in like, I'm going to be committed to this behavior over and over again because I know that it's good even if I don't feel motivated today. And so when it comes to having like a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline of being in the Bible, I think maybe the best thing you can do um, is cultivate that discipline, whether that's like, um, I'm, I'm committing to doing a Bible reading plan, right? Like maybe you uh, got got it on your Bible app, totally free app. If you're like if you're like oh, I've never read the Bible before, um, you have the power of the internet at your disposal, and the Bible is free. And there are all of these resources to help you study and unpack it and learn it. And we're here as resources to help you do that. And so, um, if you feel like daunted by <laughs> taking your first step into God's Word by yourself, totally get it. Uh, but you don't need to be afraid. And we're here to help. And there are so many resources for you. Um, but I would say, like, cultivate a discipline. Just decide, like, hey, I'm going to do this. And whether that's, like, having people hold you accountable for it or someone do a plan with you, things like that. Um, and then the other thing of, like, how do I know where to start? Um, I would say if you're, like, newer to the Bible um, and took faith in general, jump into the Gospels. It's the first, the first, it's the first four books of <laughs> the New Testament. Um, and so that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what the Gospels are, Gospel means good news. It's the accounts of Jesus. Uh, 
Uh, Jesus is the center of Christianity, of what we believe, of the relationship that we're invited into. And so I'd say, get to know Jesus. Um, beyond that, I would say, um, that I, I always like to say this, in, in the same way that, like, be careful using the internet to write a paper for school, right? Like, check your, like, fact check your resources. Like, same thing, but also, like, the internet's not cheating. If you're trying to, like, understand the Bible, you're allowed to say, like, what does it mean in the book of Philippians where it says this? Like, Google that. Um, if you're d dealing with an issue, if it's, you know what, my, um, uh, I'm fighting with my parents. How do I think through this? You can Google, what does the Bible say about my relationship with my parents or about partying or about sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever? Like, like, that's where I started. Is I just started doing word searches of what felt really, like, pressing in my life. And I just got real with the Bible and said, okay, God, like, help me figure this out. That's good. Even the Bible plan has, like, plans. If you type in anxiety, it'll come up with, like, a thousand plans. There's also, really quick, a, a really good resource called Enduring Word. Because sometimes I feel like we look up verses for when I'm lonely. And then it's like, well, what's the context of this? This app, Enduring Word, gives you, like, all the context before the verse so that you understand what you're reading and don't take it out of context, because that's also super important. Um, switching gears, we have this really actually very neat question. Um, why do I crave attention and validation? Jacob, do you want to answer that? Not, that wasn't like, <laughs> Jacob struggles with this. Well, as a recovering uh, needy person, um, so can you repeat the question one more? What were the two words you used? Um, I feel a little bad. Um, why do I crave attention and validation? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I totally, yeah, no, thank you. I'm speaking out about this for the first time. Um, no, uh, um, attention and affection, you said. Why do I keep validation? Thank you. These are big shun words. Um, Dang, I mean, that's a really, really good question. Um, I'm going to steal Drew's line, really practical. I'm sure, like, Quite a few people in this room actually can even agree. I know a lot of people, I, I even in high school, like I did sports because I wanted that. I craved some sort of attention. I wanted a certain level of popularity. And that was something that I knew I could obtain by like playing the role, you know? And uh, that wasn't even really where my heart was. There were other things that I really wanted to do instead. Um, but I did that because I wanted to have some sort of credibility or attention. Um, I remember even as an early, instead of just kind of like answering, the, I'm just going to give you a practical, really quick testimony about myself regarding this issue. I know Sophie wasn't trying to at me, as funny as it was, but this is something that even when I started leading worship, right, you take stage. Um, taking stage in front of you guys, low-key, kind of easy at this point. When I first did it, I thought it was harder than taking stage for like four to like 12,000 people. Because you guys are 100%, and it's probably backed by science. I'm just going to assume the most, like, judgy people in the planet, you know, high schoolers. It took me a long Amen. time to grow out of that. And so stressful, right, taking stage in front of you. Now it's easy. I've done it for a long enough time, and I have a relationship with a lot of you. But when I first started leading worship, I immediately was put on some really, really big stages. And I remember just having a conversation with the Lord where the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord speaks to me through scripture most of the time. It's not through some new profound thing. It's scripture where the Lord told me, hey, are you loving me with all of your heart, all your mind, and all of your strength? Like he read earlier. And I just remember thinking, um, yeah, God, of course I am. But then I take the stage and realize in that moment, I'm kind of taking the stage for my own reputation. And so the Lord brought that to my attention right before I took the stage one day to put, shine a light on the fact that I had this illness in my heart. I liked being able to take stage and go, okay, I'm going to hit this chord or I'm going to sing this note or I have this run planned on song three and I'm going to hit it and immediately my mind's going to go to someone heard that and someone thought it was really cool. And that I realized in real time was not loving the Lord my God with all of my heart and all my mind and all my strength. And so the Lord made me check myself. Every time I took the stage, we just talked about this recently in our worship leader training with our high schoolers on team and Whenever I take stage, I have to think, okay, God, am I doing this for you fully, or is it like 20 to 30 to 40 to 50% for me today? What, who am I taking the stage for? What am I doing this for? Your job, if you do want attention, if you're whatever, if you like, let's say you have parent issues and you literally need attention because you were deprived of it, that's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that. 
But if you're someone who's like, no, 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 I want some attention right now. I want people to think I'm great. You need to ask yourself, okay, am, if, if, is what I'm doing loving the Lord with all of my heart, all of it, 100% of it, or just 70% of it because 30% of it is preserved for me? That's all I would ask. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just, just, first of all, I love that answer. Um, I'm going to go in kind of a less spiritual way and kind of like talk at this from a, another angle. Um, can you restate the question? Just read it again. Sorry. Well, I, I was like, I crossed it out yeah. really hard. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. Why do, <laughs> is it, why do I crave? Why do I crave attention, attention and validation? And validation. Um, I think first, let's just acknowledge, like, God designed us to be social creatures. Um, we are built for community. Right in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, it says it's not good for us to be alone. Right? Like, we're designed to be in community. Um, and uh, I think, like, why do I seek attention and validation? Um, I, I think just, like, on a really, like, tangible, practical level, it's just kind of coded into us as people. Uh, you think about just the history of the world, like, we're sort of programmed um, that if we are, uh, strength in numbers, right? Like it used to be that you would spend your life in a community of what, like 120 people in totality, right? Like you, you just wouldn't, like we didn't have airplanes, we didn't have cars, like you would just kind of be in a smaller group of people and being uh, like embraced, being approved of, uh, being welcomed into the community meant safety and security and resources, right? Like, it meant, like, I'm safe. If people think that I bring some sort of value to this community, uh, then I'm safe. I have more options in the future. I don't have to worry about where my next meal's coming from. I don't have to worry about fending for myself. I've got the strength of the community, right? Um, and if they don't approve of me, then I'm at risk, right? I'm at risk of being kicked out. I'm going to have to go and figure out how to feed myself or uh, how to make shelter for myself. I will be alone, so I will be lonely. Like, all of those things. Like, those were the very, like, tangible, like, base level things. Now, you scale that to 2022, um, and a lot of our needs are sort of met, right? Like, most of us aren't worried about where our next meal is coming from, about shelter, about all of that. Um, at the same time, the programming is still there, uh, and now we have the ability to invite millions of people to weigh in on the value that we bring to society. Um, and so you're inviting so many, exponentially more people to give you negative critique, which still will make you feel like you're at risk, you're unsafe, you uh, might not be provided for in the future, and we're inviting millions of people to tell you that you're special and important and pretty. Um, and our brains just aren't kind of like ready to handle all of that. We're kind of in a weird moment in the world where we're trying to figure out what that means for our future. And so here's, the, here's what's cool about, like, <laughs> that's a problem uh, that we're all dealing with. But what's cool is, um, we're invited to be in relationship with Jesus. And this might sound like something that you'd like throw on a mug or a greeting card, but here, here's the reality. Um, Jesus's opinion is the only one that really matters because he's the only one that has our eternal security at heart. Um, and so if he renders a verdict that I am worthy of love, that I'm enough and that I'm safe, then I can accept that I am worthy of love, I am safe and I'm enough. Um, and so for us, that's a really freeing thing. Now, that's something that we have to pick up and exercise every day to remind ourselves, because I can still hop on Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok and um, get the feedback of millions of people or no people if nobody's following me. Uh, but I, th I think on the one hand, like, y y have some compassion for yourself that it's natural to, to crave that validation, but also know um, that uh, we live in a world where God's already rendered the verdict about you, um, and you can't sin your way or fail your way out of being loved by him. He's already rendered his verdict. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to ask a couple more questions here. Let me warn Sophia. I'm going to ask you this one. No particular reason, just felt like it. Um, and then before we end this, I want to remind you guys that if you have more questions and if you want to ask some questions, feel free to ask any leader here that's wearing a lanyard or up here on the stage. Or if you're like, oh, I don't want to ask him in person, write it on the prayer wall, leave your number or something, or don't be shy. We love to answer questions. Curiosity is encouraged. Uh, you should ask questions. There's no other way to get answers. So be sure to ask us some more questions if you're interested. Um, but this, these two questions, I feel like kind of go hand in hand while they don't really seem like they do. Um, it's how do I learn to trust someone again and how can I manage doubt? Because if we think about trust, it's like the antithesis of doubt. And so how, how can we learn to trust someone while also managing doubt? Sophia. 
That's a good one. It's a heavy one, but thank you. Um, man, when I talk about, or when I think about trusting someone again, the first thing that pops into my head was I had a best friend um, all throughout. We met, she was adopted from Russia, and we lived down the street from each other, and so we met when we were about five years old. We did middle or elementary, middle school, high school together. Um, our lives kind of went like this in a way that sh I chose Jesus and she chose other things. And um, it came to a point where I felt like the Lord asked me to call her and invite her to come to Bible college with me, actually. And this is a way deeper story that if you're really curious about, come talk to me afterwards. But I ended up, uh, my family helped move her. She was like my second sister. Like there was no, there was, we were blood as far as I was concerned. And as we moved in together, um, the first three months were great, and then um, the other months were not, and it really turned on a dime, and I lost my best friend. Not She didn't go anywhere physically, but um, we fought every day. Um, I just lost the closeness with her. She turned into a totally different person, and um, I completely lost trust in her, completely lost trust in her. There was a point where we would get in screaming matches, and I'm like, what is my life right now? This is my first year of Bible college. Why is this infringing on me? And so I was angry, to say the least. I was angry for... Um, I was angry for a year, literally for a year. I boiled with rage. If you mentioned her name, I was so on edge. It was terrible. And she moved away. She moved back home, and I was still in Bible college. She had tried to turn all my friends against me. The Lord had redeemed that. Thank Jesus. He redeemed that. But I will never forget, I did not know how much unforgiveness and how much bitterness I was carrying in my heart. I had no idea. I just knew that I hated her. I was like, and my mom would always tell me, Sophia, where's the expiration date on your hate? When is it? What date are you going to give up this hate? And I would answer her honestly. I was like, never. <laughs> I'm never going to. I'm like, why are you asking me that? She ruined my life for a year. And... I remember, I'll never forget, it was her birthday of the following year. So that all happened 2018. And on her birthday in 2019, the Holy Spirit so softly spoke to me. He said, remind all your friends it's her birthday. So they'll text her. And I was like, are you flipping kidding me right now? I was like, remind the friends she tried to turn against me. I mean, like, I think we all can pinpoint at least one instance in our life where we look at God and we're like, you've never been more wrong in your life. And you've been eternal, but you've never been more incorrect in your life. And I looked at him. I looked at the one that I had started to fall in love with, and I said, you're wrong. I said, you're absolutely wrong. And he whispered it to me again. He said, just remind all of your friends. Text this one group chat. Remind them it's their birthday. I don't know where the obedience came out of other than I had practiced obedience in my walk with Jesus prior with smaller things that when it came to this big thing, I said, okay, whatever. I was, I was so mad, you guys, I can't even tell you. And I texted everyone, I said, hey, guys. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. I was like, hey guys, don't forget, it's so-and-so's birthday today. And I'm not joking you, I felt probably 100 pounds lift off my shoulders, literally physically lift off my shoulders. It came off of me. And what that was, was forgiveness. You guys, how do you learn to trust somebody again? There's going to be, un there's got to be unforgiveness in your heart towards that person initially. And I was rightfully wronged. I was rightfully angry. Like I did, and as much as I would like to admit, like I did something, like I really truly have no idea. And I had very close people to me go, I don't know what happened. It was a very one-sided instance. And I think there's everything, you, if I had you raise your hand, you could say that there's been a time when you've been wronged or when you've lost trust in somebody. And it's okay that that happened. But like JD mentioned very early on, our response is worship, right? How we respond shows the condition of our heart, not the condition of the situation that happened to us. And so not only can this be applied to human beings, but this can be applied to God himself. Where don't we trust him? Where haven't we given him everything? Where haven't we given our whole heart, like Jacob was saying, our whole heart, I, got, uh, I love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your mind, your strength, all of that stuff. And so when I felt that weight come off of me, I said, oh my gosh. I was like, I forgive her. And I didn't, I wasn't going to see her anytime soon. It was a holy moment that I will literally never forget. But the key to that was obedience 
in Jesus was obedience and walking with Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And yes, those are commandments written in the word, but they're also the commandments he speaks to us as we walk hand in hand with him. So how do you earn back trust? How do you forego doubt is walking in obedience with Jesus Christ. No matter what it feels like, you guys, I, am fr- I guarantee you I would still be harboring that hate to this day right now, if I hadn't taken one single step of obedience, it unlocked my heart, she got set free, our relationship got totally restored, she's still my neighbor, we talk all the time, it's good, it is good, and the Lord redeemed every single piece of that pie in my life, and it all came out of obedience. Nice, sorry, not just nice, like great. I'm going to invite the rest of the band back up, and I'm going to sh- um, give you, J.D., this last question. Um, then Aaron's going to pray, and we're going to sing, and it's going to be amazing. Um, but so this actually is a very interesting question. Um, do you believe that we are pre-assigned to our mothers and fathers? It's a great question. <coughs> Probably because I think of the times where we were so frustrated with our parents, we go, why wasn't I born into a different family? Maybe you've had that question. I did at one point in my life, um, just I think with the trials that came with that. But um, God's plan is perfect, and I don't think he makes mistakes in that regard either. I don't think he makes mistake, mistakes, period. And so I think the parents that were, if you want to use the term assigned to, it's very specific. And I actually saw the stat the other day that to have been in the place you're in right now, even sitting in this room, the previous 400 years prior to your life, you would have almost 4,100 ancestors to bring you to this point. And the hopes and dreams of those people just allows you to even be in this room, to be in this place and the heartaches that they experience. But to, to answer that question more specifically, um, we can learn from our parents and we can teach our parents. It becomes a reciprocal thing at a point where we begin to exchange those things that we've learned uh, with our parents. And so to be pre-assigned, uh, I don't know if I'd go, it would be quite that terse, but I believe that it's all part of God's plan and his will for our life. So, yeah, even through the, the struggles and things we talked about earlier, too, I think through those moments where it's really tough with our parents, it's also an opportunity for us to grow and to exemplify our love. And the most beautiful thing I think I've seen of students who maybe struggle with their parents at times is they invite their parents to church and go, come check it out. You guys are ambassadors to your family more than you know, especially your parents. And I've seen so many students who bring parents who go, I used to go to church, but my daughter invited me to come, so I'm going to come check it out. And suddenly that mom or dad is serving in one of the ministries here a few months later and seeing the joy that they remember that God had taught them in their childhood. So I really believe that God has the parents he has for you in, in your life for a purpose. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want to jump in on this, too. Uh, it's, gosh, it's such a good question. Uh, it's a fun question, too. Um, but also, like, I just want to acknowledge moms and dads is one of those topics that's, like, immediately emotional, no matter what your relationship to your parents are. You know, like, you maybe you hear moms and dads, and you just, like, you love your parents to pieces, and they just have done a great job, and, like, you, you just feel humbled and blessed. Um, and, and maybe you hear moms and dads, and you feel like you got the short end of the stick, and you were really wounded uh, by the people who are your parents who brought you into this world. And, um, and the question of, like, did God choose our parents? I just think about in the scriptures where it says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. And so I just think, like, there is a plan and a purpose there where he chose the womb, he chose the person, and he put me there. Um, and so I, I think, like, there's, there are plans and purposes. And then at the same time, I just want to pause and acknowledge that, like, if you're in the room and you're one of those people who, like, has a deep pain around your parents, um, whether they just, like, wounded you or whether they bailed, maybe they're just not even around. Um, And this is a question that kind of, like, I think a lot of the questions we're grappling with, which is, like, are the bad things in my life from God? Like, is that his will and his plan? Um, And I I just, like, no. Um, No. Uh, you, you can look at scripture and he tells us how to love people well. He tells us um, what his hope is, what his will is, what his plan is. And he's at the same time given us the, the 
power to choose. Um, right? And so like the Bible says, God tells us in the Bible, don't murder. Uh, if someone murders your friend, that doesn't mean like, oh, that was God's will. God must love murder and want it for my life. That means that there was a breaking of his will um, and a breaking of his heart. But the scriptures do tell us that God works everything together for the good of those who love him. Uh, and so I just want to say to you, like, it, it, like, if you hear parents and you feel really emotional about that, like, I get it. Family stuff can be tough. Um, and so I think on the one hand, like, the, yes, God picked your parents. And at the same time, like, if they just fundamentally hurt you or wounded you or left and just didn't complete the assignment, um, I would say that's not God's will for your life, but he sure can use it for your good. Uh, he can redeem that in your life. He can use that to bless people who are going through the same thing. Um, like, he can weave it back into his plan. There's nothing that he doesn't see coming that he's like, oh, shoot, what will I do now? Um, nothing knocks him off balance. Uh, and so he can use it. Uh, he will use it. Like, as the more that we bring um, to him, the more that he'll weave it together for a purpose in our good. Well, um, we're going to close our time, and Aaron's going to pray over us. But please remember, like, write your questions, your prayers, your concerns, everything on the prayer wall. We really, we really do read all those. And also ask your peers. Like, talk to the people around you. Like, hey, have you been through something like this? Um, I feel them all getting up, so I feel like I should. Um, Aaron will pray now, and uh, we'll clear the stage. That's awesome. Guys, good up for Sophie for leading us through this time. So awesome. I'm just going to step out over here. Praise God. Um, if you guys would mind, just join me in prayer um, with the knowledge that our God answers prayer. He hears us when we talk to him. And I think um, there's many questions. I think it was over 200 questions that were sent in uh, from our summer camp alone. And I would say you don't have to wait for us. You can have that conversation with Jesus. Talk to him. He listens. The Bible says, in this we know that we are children of God, that he hears us when we pray. So do pray. Lean into that. Lean into that intimacy that we've been singing about, that he wants to be intimate. He wants to be close to your heart. And so lean into that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worshipfully talk in this safe space about our doubts, about our questions, Lord God, about how we need to be affirmed, Lord God, and loved by you, Lord God. Thank you for the confirmation of these truths in the hearts of those who've been listening and those watching online. Lord, I ask that in the weeks to follow, you will begin to confirm to people, Lord, that you've called them, that you love them that you want them to be a people who delight in your word, that you're calling them to be a people who serve others, that you're calling them to be a people who are grateful and give of themselves self-sacrificially to other people, Lord. Uh, for those who are hurting, Lord God, just a constant reminder of your care, your intentionality, that all things work together for good for those who are called and who love you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you bless my brothers and sisters. Just let me pray. All God's people said. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really hope it blessed you. You can connect with us on social media at CalvaryHSM805. God bless.